0: Hello and welcome to Root & Bone, the podcast where we find people that we love from food culture and talk to them. My name's Tim Wilde. This week's episode is a little bit different because we're recording this in the middle of the COVID-19 lockdown in the UK. So in order to help the people that we love in the industry, we decided to do something a little bit different yesterday rather than going around to somebody's house we got four people on conference call three from the uk and one from uh, new york city to talk about what's happening in the industry what's happening in their places what they're doing to cope what they're doing to stay positive and all that stuff normally i would be recording this intro at my friend kieran's house with a nice expensive microphone and plenty of time but i'm actually under a blanket in my bedroom recording this on a mic i bought from curry's yesterday for 50 quid so if It doesn't sound brilliant. My apologies. Um, but you know, we love the industry. Uh, we really want people to be able to keep going at this time in whatever way they can. So we wanted to talk to people and find out how it's going. We're talking to Lizzie and James who run ozone coffee roasters and restaurants in London. We're talking to Nick Solaris, a food writer and broadcaster in New York to find out what's going on over there. And lastly, we're talking to uh, Natalia Ribe who represents a group called Ladies in Restaurants. She's been a chef. She's worked in hotels. She knows hospitality inside out, and she's got some interesting things to say about about how to keep going during this difficult time. So thanks for joining us, and please enjoy this episode of Root & Bone. Thanks very much for kind of, uh, for joining us here on this peculiar edition of the Root & Bone uh, podcast. Um, so who have I got on the line?
1: Uh, so my name's James Gurr. Um, I'm the creative director for Ozone Coffee And has been coffee in the UK and Ozone Coffee in New Zealand.
2: I'm Lizzie Gurr and I'm Chief Operating Officer for the same companies, Ozone UK and NZ and has been coffee.
0: Cool. And where are are you talking to us from?
2: Our kitchen. (laughs) We're also married.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And whereabouts are you guys? Uh,
2: Well, we are currently in East Dulwich, but we are supposed to be moving house in three weeks to Hertfordshire.
0: So oh, how's I that? mean how's
2: anything looking? Who knows? We'll just see. <laughs>
0: yeah. Whereabouts in hartford are you gonna go? Uh,
2: there's a town called Hartford.
0: Oh two. okay, I know. I grew up in um I grew up in Harford, Dennis, and all all the right. then okay, cool. Not and, and Not a million miles away. It's a nice yeah, town
2: Yeah, yeah, we've been in London ten years, so um and we have a two year old and the reality of having a child in London is becoming more apparent, so
0: so, yeah, yeah. I did. I did exactly the same thing. Or we did exactly the same thing when our daughter was about uh, your daughter's age. We were like, "Oh, yeah. right." That's- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's so funny
2: because before you have kids, you're so kind of high mighty about such things. You're like, "Oh, people just give up. They go out to the verbs." Um, but yeah, no.
3: <laughs> do, reason.
0: do it. Do it. <laughs> um, and uh, so. I guess we should probably get into it, really. So thanks very much for joining us today because I know you guys must be in a reasonably sort of chaotic situation right now. Do you want to just sort of say what's going on with you guys right now as far as Ozone is concerned?
2: Yeah. Um, So I guess it's a week, basically, uh, since Boris made the announcement that restaurants, people, he'd be discouraging people from going to restaurants. So for the last week, basically, we've been in a state of everything changes every 12 hours. We have the added complication of uh, a business in New Zealand who's on a different time zone. But in some ways, it's also a benefit because we have a team that work around the clock. Um, And... Every single day has been different since that announcement and we've reacted as we feel best we can each day. Um, So it's been just like a a series of different things that have happened, but right now, as of today, um, our online business is busier than ever. And we're really grateful for the support that we've had from um, a lot of our local community who would normally come into our restaurants. buying online and we were going through some of the orders today and we're like oh these are all people literally around the corner so that's cool um the restaurants are closed uh and we're just today doing a bit of a grocery sale outside one of them just because we've still got some produce uh and whatever's whatever's still there at the end of the day will be donating to food banks
0: Fantastic. And how has that sort of broken down as the weeks un, unfolded? Have you felt that you could get get ahead of it, or has it all been purely
1: reactive? It's, <laughs> I think. I think. It, I mean, it certainly has been reactive. Um, and as Lizzie says, you know, it's it's, it's it, the situation was just changing daily. Um, and
2: we have, we were really aware we had to make big bold decisions really quickly. And in some cases, we were probably a day ahead, <coughs> and in others, we felt like we've been a day behind.
1: Yeah, and we've tried to we've tried to take the approach that we can't we can't beat ourselves up too much if we get things slightly wrong. Um, and I mean, we're also lucky in that we have a um, a good team around us around us who are um, working on different, um, you know. Different requirements and different priorities uh, that have been able to spread across the senior team. Um, so that's that's really helped. Um, it's been. It, it became apparent really quickly that um, you know communication was key. That given that we were not in each other's presence on a on a regular basis, that you know. FaceTime was, you know, preferred over a phone call, was preferred over an email, just, you know, just trying to keep in front of people. Um,
2: yeah, bizarrely, I feel like we've been more agile than ever. Yeah. <laughs> and we've probably been more creative than ever. Um, with some of the, with, like, less control.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've some of the people I've been talking to, like outside of this, are amazed at how sort of productive and responsive and and sort of, fast acting some of their colleagues have been. They're like, I would normally sit next to this guy and like not, doesn't do anything, <laughs> but now that this has kicked in, everyone's found another gear. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. No, so we've like we've known communication is really key, and we've. I, think we've stayed on top of it as best as we can the last week. James and I managed to get some headspace yesterday to actually bust out a communication strategy for the next four weeks, um, which goes across our, wholesale communi- uh, our customer communication and our team communication. Um, so we've got a bit of a plan of how we're going to tackle that. I mean, obviously, the you know the immediate things in front of us are, are quite apparent, like employment and um yep and what we can and can't offer our customers. And, but then we've, you know, further down the line, we've got things to pick up on like mental health strategy for everybody that's working from home. Um, we're gonna give everybody a fitness regime, <laughs> just stuff like that. Yep. But we're sort of just trying to get our ducks in a row and do things in an order that
1: um, yeah, I guess we're coming, doesn't overwhelm people. Yeah, we're currently going through a process of shifting from that very reactive stage to try and turn that around and start to think strategically. Mm. Um, We can only really do that once we know what our new normal is. Um, But, you know, I think in all likelihood, sooner rather than later, um, we're going to have a pretty clear understanding of what that new normal is. And then we can start to respond to how we deal with it, both professionally and personally.
2: Yeah, we've been quite fortunate to have... um a business that's operating in a different country because we've been going back and forth every twelve hours, learning learning from each other's market what's happening.
0: And right, and what have been the differences, say, between here and uh, is it? Forgive me, is the other location in Auckland?
2: Uh, well, there's one in Auckland and one in a small town called New Plymouth. Um, but yeah, there's two two locations in New Zealand. Um, I mean, the difference, the main difference is, well, there's two. One is New Zealand has been until until last night, New Zealand's kind of been about a week behind. So New Zealand's been able to hear from what's happening here and prepare a lot better and know what's coming. But I think right. the other thing that's the, the, big, the most stark difference, I think, is that the way the government announcements have rolled out in New Zealand and the UK has been quite different. In New Zealand, there's been lots of information Up front, it's been really transparent and clear. There's basically a a four-stage plan, like level one, level two, level three, level four, and the whole um, New Zealand public knew which level we were at and what was coming so they could see what was coming so they could sort of prepare a bit better. Um, But that's been helpful for us as well because we've known that. And now, for the first time since this all kicked off, New Zealand's kind of jumped a step ahead of the UK and is now on a, as of Thursday, we'll be in a complete lockdown, which means literally no one can leave the house unless it's to go to the supermarket or for a solitary walk in the park. Right. So that's been good for us just to think about today, even because we're still not quite in that space yet. Here
3: feels like it's probably new.
0: yeah. And will you be able, if we were to assume that that's coming yeah. down the line, uh, would you be able to function? As a takeaway or as a grocery in any of the UK locations, or have you just got to cut everything mm, off? It's anyway? kind
2: of a million dollar question. It's, I mean, we, we have the advantage of having an online shop already established because we're a wholesaler of coffee beans. Yeah. Uh, so, as long as we are able to come into our buildings, roast coffee, and send it out to people, we have an income stream. It uh, obviously doesn't support two restaurants' worth of staff as it currently is, but if people keep um, supporting us like they have been, uh, it will help. On the grocery, I mean, you can talk to the grocery side. We're still brainstorming some
1: ideas, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, today today's exercise was really about um, finding opportunities and ways to get rid of fresh produce that was in the two E2Es. Um, moving forward you know we we've, we've talked around some ideas around could we do could you know we're in a we're in a, quite a cool or we're in a quite a unique position in that um, we are, we operate restaurants we work with some really great independent producers and suppliers um, and because of our coffee roasting wholesale operation we've got some really well um, ingrained dispatch mechanisms So we could potentially look at doing a sort of online um, sort of grocery service that uh, supports, you know, local independent producers and suppliers, but we really haven't had the chance to think through whether, I think it's something we could do, but whether or not it's something we should do, I haven't had had the chance to really sort of think that through yet, but... um, you know, we
2: And that's that's actually been partly because we became aware quite quickly that we should put our energy into protecting what income streams we do have control over still. And um, well, first and foremost, health and safety of our team in public. Um, keeping really good communication up with our team about what's happening and then, yeah, protecting what we can control. Yeah. But um kind of like you were saying earlier, we've now flicked into this slightly more strategic headspace, but we also don't want to rush it. So there was a 24-hour period where we were like rushing around, trying to get on Deliveroo, trying to get on all the click and collect stuff. And then we were like, actually, let's just calm down because this is not going to just be for two weeks. This is going to be Mm. a long-term thing. Now that the government has announced um, a wage support package, that's given us a little more breathing room as well to go, okay, let's think about, something that's sustainable for us that doesn't incur loads of unnecessary cost for a three-month period.
1: Yeah, and if it's something we can do to um, support these sort of independent suppliers and producers that we work with, you know, if, if they want that, we haven't even had a chance to have that conversation. But, um, you know, that, that could be a positive and But also f- for our team, if we do it in a, in a, in a safe way, um, I, I'm, I know that our team will just want something to do <laughs> even if it's you know, 10 hours right. a week or 20 hours a week or just you know packing groceries into into a box um, you know that we sell online then that gives them you know something to do in their day.
2: Yeah we're, re- we're really concerned about right. that that people are going to wake up in the morning with lack of purpose and lack of structure and um, which is Structure is a bit of a strange word to use when it comes to hospitality because life is so unstructured generally, but um, <laughs> But You do have a purpose <laughs> you do have it and you I feel like a lot of, for a, a lot of hospitality workers as well they thrive from the social connection that they enjoy on a daily basis and It's gonna be really isolating.
3: Mm.
0: Well, are you, are you trying to sort of say that you know how they behave in their off time and you, you need to keep them? <laughs> <being>? <laughs>
2: yeah, there was that meme going around saying, has anyone ever considered what it would be like if we let all the chefs have Saturday night off together? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good. Right.
2: No, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, our industry is like fraught with all sorts of damaging behaviour. So we want to try and um, front foot that as much as possible and give our team some whatever we can to help them so
0: well, yeah, the, the the daily exercise regime sounds like, uh, sounds like a good thing. Even for comedy purposes, you should be getting yeah. everybody to record that on a webinar. Yeah, for <laughs> I mean. sure.
3: Um,
0: one of the things uh, I wanted to ask you, obviously there's practicalities in the situation shifting <laughs> left, right and centre, like every every 12 hours. You guys have been operating in London uh, for a long time, right? Did you say 10 uh, years Uh
2: we opened, we opened in tw- early 2012. We just, we just turned eight. The yep. first restaurant was turned yep. eight, yeah.
0: So, I mean, how are you feeling about all this? It's kind of, you've seen a lot of things come and go in those eight years, but how are you feeling about this?
2: Um,
1: I I mean, I guess we just, the reality probably hasn't sunk in yet.
2: I don't think it has. We've actually been running on adrenaline, definitely. Um, We've had moments, like Friday night when... Boris made the the announcement on Friday evening we were in a little t- six of our six of us and my senior team were the only people still left on site um, and it was pretty sombre it was probably the first time we all let ourselves feel anything you know we had a little cry we had right. a little laugh we drank a lot of musical, um, ate lots of bags yeah. of crisps <laughs> and then went separate ways yeah. but I think I, I don't know i'm I said to james last night i I'm, I'm not willing to entertain my own emotions right now because it's actually not about us it's about the two hundred people that we employ and that's that's my i guess that's my main feeling is a feeling of concern for our workforce
1: yeah and i think in our also industry also having we have to have the attitude that we we are coming out the other side of this and uh, and we do. Yeah, we totally. do. We
2: hundred percent believe that. And we we know that Ozone will reopen its doors again. We're completely committed to ensuring that.
1: And we're looking forward to sort of <coughs> you know, having some time to think about how we go about that. And <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be
2: And like James said, maybe this will be the first summer in the UK that we get a tan. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's weird that it's coincided with some of the sunniest weather we've seen in, in in months. It's got a weird kind of uh, Stepford Wives eerie <laughs> quality about it. It's always really beautiful outside. There's just nobody mm-hmm. there. Um, and how has it been sort of it, like watching the streets and watching the footfall slowly sort of trickle away these last few days? Uh-huh.
2: No, I haven't found it that weird because that's what Christmas is like <laughs> and we've been here every single Christmas like at where our locations are particularly our location in Shoreditch the streets uh, just feel similar to they do around Christmas time um, like you know Christmas Eve, Boxing Day, New Year period. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what do you think? Yeah I mean we we don't go to the central parts of yeah, London. In the, the
1: first First few days of sort of getting into this, and we were running a takeaway only service, and we still had regular customers coming in, and which was great. But it, it you know, it was apparent that they were going to really struggle giving up this routine. Um, you know that that coming into our spaces on a regular basis was a, was you know, or is a really important part of their day, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was quite apparent that for some people that was going to be quite, um, we quite have, challenging for them. We
2: have this one regular in the Shoreditch restaurant um, who comes in every single day. I reckon, I don't know how old he is. He must be 70, i a guess. Um, and coming in for his breakfast and cold brew, which he drinks all year round, is <laughs> just like, it gives him a real purpose, eh? In his morning. And um he was coming in every day last week and saying, please don't close. What am I going to do? Um, no. and
0: You're breaking my heart.
2: No, I know. I know. I mean, I know. But the um, Robin, our um, operations manager for the restaurants, yesterday, she um, went and picked up a big couple of bottles of cold brew concentrate. And, um, and uh, I don't know if you know these, like you get these newspaper vouchers this is, this is how the system yeah. works. It's incredibly archaic, but basically for restaurants to get, you know, half a dozen copies of newspapers in the morning, you get these vouchers and then you take them to the supermarket and you get your vouchers. Um, so uh, Robin yeah, took around these two big bottles of um, cold concentrate and all the newspaper vouchers for April and just gave them to Nick. Oh, it's so beautiful. Um
0: well maybe you can te- if you can teach him how to FaceTime, he can essentially sort of have a virtual sort of uh waiting staff interaction every morning. I
2: mean that's the thing, like that right, that's that's one story of one person of the thousands of patrons that we have on at a you know, weekly. Basis. So right. it does it does break your heart to think how challenging it's gonna be for people, especially people on their own.
0: And I guess I'd like to talk to you a little bit because I know how involved you guys are in the sort of wider hospitality industry. I know that you kind of, you know, you do training and that you've got lots of kind of friends and and, uh, and connections and, and stuff like that. Have you been having conversations with other people in your network? Like, how's what's the what's the chat been? What's everyone been saying? How do you feel the industries that you've spoken to? Been- well,
2: I've probably led on most of the UK communications. Well, within reason. But James has had a
1: more interesting perspective. Um, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I had had a bit of time at, at one point last week, and I and I just reached out to a few people in my network, either yeah, just, just people in our community, really, um, who run independent businesses and hospitality businesses, and yeah, I mean, I I don't think there was anything sort of definitive that came out of it, or any sort of real. Um, Mm. you know, real clear idea generation or I anything like, like that. I but it was, like, it was sort of really about just showing some support and that you were there conversation. But I feel um, like your to
2: Andrew was actually really helpful for us.
1: Yeah, that was really well. Um, There's yeah. quite a
2: specific example.
1: But. Yeah. Um, uh, a friend of ours called Andrew, he runs a coffee machine um, business in Italy and he's actually been in lockdown for nine days now. So that was actually really quite useful from the perspective of understanding uh, their their factory is still allowed to operate. In what Um, conditions
2: they're allowed to operate, which is super useful for us as a coffee racing company because we have two factories in the UK.
1: So that's, that's what I was trying to sort of understand from him was, you know, whether we would still be allowed to roast obviously it's a different country and there's going to be different regulations potentially but you know um yeah would we still be able to roast and, and dispatch coffee in a sort of factory type operation um that wasn't open to the public and so that was really helpful to get his perspective get and some ideas around um how they were um sort of mitigating risk uh, um, within the team, and you know they've implemented shift work, and they've spaced out the workstations uh, within the factory, um, and uh, people's temperatures are taken um, when they when they um, come to work each morning. Um, so yeah, that that was a really uh, good perspective to get. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't aware that people were allowed to kind of keep working
0: at all in in uh, in that kind of lockdown. I haven't. Uh, th- that's not the sort of story people have been focusing on. In uh, um, we we're only hearing, obviously, the kind of worst of what's happening in in Italy. I wasn't aware that people were allowed to continue. What, assumably, coffee comes under the list of like absolutely essential items in Italy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At <the> very
2: least. <laughs> yeah we might not be so lucky. We'll see. <clears throat> yeah, but I think in the London community, I've been, or oh, in wider UK, uh, I've been in contact with a lot of our wholesale clients, and it, it's honestly, I mean, kind of like everything, the conversation is changing daily. But I guess my overall perspective would be the businesses which are in a really good cash position are less concerned than those who are not. Um, so one of our clients just, secured £2 million of funding, so he's in an okay position for a fairly good period of time to support his team. Others are not in that position um, because they're either just come off the back of a big capital project and a big spend or they've been struggling through whatever kind of market pressure there has been. So Right. But I think, uh, I mean, since since the announcement on Friday, I think everybody has br- it's, like slipped a little a little better. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And I mean, the uh, you know, my heart would absolutely go out to anyone that's you know that a, a week ago was about to snip the ribbon, you know, on that on that big opening, um, uh, or just had that space leased yeah. and was just about to kind of open yeah. their doors. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing you can do, right? You just have to sit tight. Um, uh, So, before we let you go, because I know you're busy and you've got 200 people to look after and an ever shifting schedule and a two year old, and you can't really go out that much. Yeah,
2: our nanny, Uh, a week ago, (laughs) as a Kiwi, um, decided she needed to get out of here. So, (laughs) we're also now.
0: Yeah, you can't really argue with that. Totally supported (laughs) decision. But for for anyone who's listening, uh, who uh, you know, who wants to get a bit of the uh, like the 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 ozone action in in their own houses, now is the time to do the shout out. Where should people be going? What should they be logging on to? What should they be ordering? Uh, So
2: ozonecoffee.co.uk, coffee beans. Uh, that's what we do best is roast um, beautiful coffee. There's all sorts of interesting stuff on there for um, brewing at home. There's all the equipment there that you would need to brew at home. Uh, and we're, every day we're putting out now little training videos um, for people that maybe don't usually make their own coffee, just to give them some pointers. Um, but yeah, that would be the main place to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. Cool. So turn yourself into that expert barista for the next... Yeah, time.
2: I mean, we've all got to master something new. <laughs> what did you say you are going to do last night?
0: <laughs>
1: learn to play the guitar. James is going to learn to
2: play
0: the
1: guitar. A guitar gonna... sitting in the corner of the front room for, for a couple of years and haven't touched it. So
2: I'm going to learn to code because I've decided I'm in totally the wrong industry.
1: <laughs> well,
0: nothing could be more relaxing than when you're trying to learn to code than to be sat next to someone <laughs> learning to play the guitar.
2: With this toddler shouting at us. <laughs> Can't wait.
0: Yeah, it should keep your relationship on the, on a really even keel. I look forward to hearing about it. So hello, Nick. Welcome to this sort of hurriedly put together uh, COVID-19 version of the Root and Bone podcast. Normally, this is a slightly more relaxed affair. We would be together. You would be cooking me something uh, delicious, and we'd be talking about it. And hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to do that. But for the sake of our of of our listeners, could you let us know who you are, what you do, and where you are right now?
4: So uh, my name is Nick Solaris. I am a food writer, photographer, video monkey, I guess is the best term for it. Um, I would say personality, but I don't think I have much. (laughs) Um, I'm currently, I'm from England. You can tell I have a funny accent, but I've been in New York for about 35 years and currently in New York right now under the lockdown, which is about to come down. Oh, Um, So
0: uh, obviously the news is changing like every, every second. So what's the New York kind of version of lockdown that's about to come in? The New York
4: version of lockdown is called, not shelter in place, because that was deemed to be too jarring a term. So it's called something like "Stay at Home," I think. Um, it's yeah. Since so, today is the twenty um, third. Is it? Yep. Yeah. So on the twenty second Sunday, basically that's when the final nail came down. They had started closing restaurants and bars last week. Then they started cutting down the amount of people that were allowed into businesses from seventy five to fifty percent to twenty five percent, and then Sunday they basically shut down all non-essential businesses and non-essential, obviously, any any social services, um, rubbish pickup, all that stuff. Um, Obviously, medical and then the police and the fire people. um, But then also, uh, food restaurants are allowed to stay open for delivery. Liquor stores are deemed an essential service, and I'm not going to argue about that. (laughs) and also bicycle shops because they are really telling i mean we're not really supposed to be going out and you know just in the spirit of this thing whether you believe in it or not it's only going to really work if we all if we to get this thing to work act properly we all have to just stay put and i think that's really the consensus that's where we're at in new york right now um we are the epicenter. I think we have the highest infection rate in the world right now. So it's it's definitely that wave is washing over us right now. Right. Um, the last week has been very sort of no man's land kind of limbic time. We've been locked in this sort of... We know something is coming, but life, aside from all the major places being shut down to us, still people are still out. You can still go shopping. So... It's a very weird time, but as far as the restaurant industry goes, um, which is what I sort of report and work work on, um it's absolutely decimated it because they've shut down every restaurant now, I'm sure the situation is similar in London and across the world, but having a restaurant in New York is even in the best of times is a tenuous affair. I mean, even the biggest restaurant groups. Are still faced with you know if you if you can't operate for a week you you have to lay everyone off I mean that's just the reality of of operating a you know operating a restaurant in modern New York and you know it's really it, it's it's an absolute travesty I mean what's happened is that I, I don't say travesty, I mean tragedy um, the if nothing is done if there's no intervention from the federal uh, local Authorities, if there's not a massive infusion of, of cash, we're going to lose, I mean conservatively three quarters of our restaurants. and really, that's you're already for,
0: thinking in those terms?
4: Oh, I mean, what the trigger we're actually thinking of is the amount of people that are going to die in the next couple of weeks because it's going to be astronomical, and, and the longer that this thing drags on, the longer we don't do anything, it just you know it's its, it's potential. so you know obviously our immediate concern. Um, has to be human life at the end of the day. A restaurant is only good if people are alive to be in it, right? Uh-huh. And that, you know, right now we're we're sort of it's now crunch time for us in New York. And I think the way I the way I'm hearing it's like that in London for you guys too.
0: So yeah, um, there has been. Um, I mean, everything's effectively shut, uh, and really that only came into effect on Friday night. So. A lot of people, and one of the things we're talking about with various people today, including you, is you know a lot of people have shifted fairly quickly to uh, everything from kind of selling off existing uh, stock as grocery, uh, shifting to online delivery and getting networks set up kind of very very quickly. Um, you know things like you know selling everything in the wine cellar, um, and there has been a package announced for kind of eighty percent of. Uh, wages will be met for a period of time uh, by government, which has given people some breathing room. It's not oh, That, specific. That's
4: that, that, that um, awful socialism we keep hearing about over here.
0: Disgraceful. Yeah, I mean... It,
4: yeah, I mean, God, can you imagine a government actually working for the people? Not that I'm not professing that I'm a socialist, but that is precisely what we need here. And this, let's also face it, conservative government, right? A Brexit government, not exactly... Not exactly the, uh, the socialist uh, revolutionaries that you would expect to enact something like that. But I mean, that, that is exactly what we need here because the knock on effect of it's not just the people who own the restaurants and, and employ people, it's the, the people that launder the tablecloths and the people that deliver the groceries and the people that do the flowers. And, you know, it's just, yep. it is such a hospitality, um, food, beverage is such a massive. Pillar of the United States economy. I mean, it's up there with, if you think about the other great industries, you know, big food, um, you know, petroleum, big oil, the airlines, all of those. You know, those are massive multinational industries that employ millions of people and are well represented. And they, they have, you know, the problem with restaurants, by and large, they're small. Even the biggest restaurant groups, are, you know, they're tiny compared to what these multinationals are doing. And that there's no cohesive, organization that's really representing them. I mean there's you know there's different groups springing up especially now but it's not like they don't have like the oil lobby they don't have the tobacco lobby yep. right and to me like those are the most crucial businesses something like 80% of american businesses are small family owned businesses and that's what we're talking about with the restaurants you know that mm-hmm. it's something has to be done you know that they're talking about bailing out the uh, the cruise ships and the airlines. Yeah, we need those things, of course. But if you look at the sliver that those that are of people that are employed by those industries, it's infinitesimal compared to the amount of people that are employed in the hospitality industry across. You know, it's also an industry that that really spans the entire economics um, uh, sphere. Right? It goes everything from the 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 ninety nine cent slice of pizza, the, the greasy spoon diner all the way to one of those fine dining temples and the, you know, the great, the sushi or So yeah, it's really, this is a really, you know, it's a very challenging time. Um, adding to a, compounding it, a, you know, already uh, restaurant tools were facing a lot of issues this year with uh, the increase in minimum wage. So we already started seeing restaurants drop off and this is just, you know, if there's no intervention, it's going to be, it's going to be really, um, it's going to be devastating.
0: And one of my perceptions, and this is only a kind of subjective thing of being, you know, and the times that I visited New York, is that eating out and eating uh, takeout and having stuff delivered and ordering and not cooking so much for yourself is, is, is kind of a, a kind of cliched hallmark of, of New York culture, right? Is that the food Very service is just so. baked That's- into everybody's everyday life.
4: Very much so, and for me, especially because I'm a food writer. So, literally, the last fifteen years, I've eaten at almost every meal. I mean, I had to repurpose my kitchen to be a sort of a a cooking footing because it was basically a bar. You know, I would have coffee in the morning, (laughs) and then uh, it was just it was just lined up with with wine and liquor bottles everywhere, and the fridge was always empty. Like now, it's actually it's full. And I'm cooking for the first time, in, you know. You can't just keep yeah. two
0: limes and a bottle of Stolli in there now, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, I,
4: I do cook. I do events. I cook, you know, I cook to experiment with things. I work on recipes, but I don't cook at home to eat. You know, that, that's that been sort of the opposite. of Because every meal that I eat out informs, it informs my work. It teaches me something. You know, if I cook at home, it just teaches me I didn't burn the house down.
0: Right, and uh, but you would say that, that is it fair to say that's kind of fairly normal for a lot of New Yorkers?
4: Well, I think that I think that there's definitely, unfortunately, because otherwise we'd all be starving. There is a, a very strong and passionate community of people that cook at home, and I'm not just talking about cooking to feed you; cooking, you know, in the same with the same passion that people dine out with. Right. So they're you know they're they're going out and they go to the farmers' markets and they're, they're sourcing their ingredients as scrupulously as a chef. And yeah, I think there, I mean, there is a lot of that, but obviously in New York, it's quite challenging just from the size perspective. I mean, I have a tiny little kitchen. Um, You know, I'm not going to be doing, uh, I'm not going to be roasting legs of lamb or anything.
0: And Um, I also wanted to ask, so as this has been slowly unfolding, obviously it's been changing from from day to day and your everyday conversations are constantly with, uh, you know, kind of people in the industry, who have you been talking to? What have you been hearing? Like, what's the kind of what's been the personal reaction that you've had face to face?
4: Well, I haven't been face to face with anyone actually in about ten days, um, because I actually, I mean, I've been reading about this. I had a trip, (laughs) had a trip planned to Seoul, South Korea, and Tokyo, Japan, that was meant to commence around the fourteenth and take me through the end of March. Obviously, that (laughs) about a month ago, we actually we we cancelled that trip. Because we'd seen the news, you know, and I remember that my friend that I was going along with, we we were like, yeah, it's it's heading this way. So we already had an inkling, you know. So what I did is I rebooked myself to go go back home to the UK. I was meant to leave on uh, like two nights ago. But with all the travel bans, you know, my parents right now are in quarantine because, you know, I think you dealt with it a little differently at the beginning in the UK. And there was the idea of letting it sort of, work its way through the population, allow those people to build up an immunity. Yep. And I think that what happened was that the numbers just worked against you. That this thing is so virulent in its in its infection rate that, um, you know, it's just things are just getting out of control. And that, that's what we're finding here. I mean, it, it's doubling every day, the, the numbers. Um, so I had seen this thing coming, but you know, I think there's been a general failure on the part of uh, of the government, frankly, at, at really heading this thing off because it's one of those things that every day that you wait, the worse it gets, you know? And as tumultuous and devastating as it is to close the restaurants, as it was to close the restaurants on March 18th, if we had done it on March 1st, you know, they would have been I'm not saying they would be open now, but the chances of it opening sooner are a lot greater. You know, the the what we're seeing now is that this thing is just it's raging out of control everywhere. Bars, I, I think there may be one or two states where they still have bars open, uh, bars and restaurants. And those are things like I I mean I'm don't quote me on this, but it's one of the it's some of the states that are sort of that have very low populations, like maybe a million people. Um but I think what I I can't see an alternative other than having a national lockdown. Now, that is something that, you know, for a European country, it doesn't seem to be that difficult to pull off. But in the United States, it's almost anathema to to the whole system of states' rights and all of those things. So it's a struggle. You know, the uh, the idea of American exceptionalism is something that's very prevalent in the national imagination here. and this is not a time when when exceptionalism is what's required. This is the, the kind of time where that's sort of, you know, something that especially in a communist country is <laughs> fairly easy to achieve because you just have the, the state mechanisms to achieve it. But collectivism is required. And it, this yeah. is not difficult, right? It's not like um, storming the beaches on in Normandy. Like all we really have to do is just stay on our fucking couches. Just stay inside. Right. But... Again, that's easier said than done, you know? Uh, so we'll see. I mean, again, it, it's it's the one time that, that even though we have, to a degree, been let down by the authorities, and they are, in all fairness, completely overwhelmed, you know, will be imminently, um, it is the one time where we really can sort of, we do have the control as citizens on how the outcome of this ends
0: i agree and Uh who have you been talking to you know kind of in the industry these last few days Well, so
4: i I mean i don't want to mention names specifically because without but a lot of the a lot of the big of the guys that own the you know the the big chains not chains but the own the big restaurant groups that have like five or six really big restaurants yeah a lot and they were very look they were all ahead of it. I I don't know, it was weird. It was Friday the thirteenth, where it just seemed like there was a collective consciousness raised. Not everyone, and a lot and I'm not casting dispersions on the people that didn't immediately close because and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but there was a sort of grand swell of opinion that we needed to head that that there wasn't clear communication from the authorities. And that we sort of needed to take things in our own hands. So a lot of restaurants, just a lot of big restaurant groups closed down, shut everything down. Um, I, on Friday, the th- that was my last meal out. I, just, I was like, you know, I'd, been, it, I'd just been reading so much stuff. I was supposed to be traveling. And I, just, I was just seeing the writing on the wall. I was like, so I started social isolation then. And haven't eaten in a restaurant or done delivery. I've just cooked at home the whole time.
0: So for someone like you, are you like jonesing really badly for restaurants right
4: now? Well, it's you know, I am. I mean, it's I mean, I'm worried about my I'm worried about us right now in the media. But yes, I mean, I, that's also that. You know, in New York. There's no point in living in New York if you don't have restaurants and bars and museums. You know, because then you're just paying an exorbitant rent. <laughs> <laughs> to live around eight million other people, you know that the, the whole benefit of living here is the is the cultural immersion—the restaurants and bars and nightclubs. And museums. it's not really a staying
0: in kind of a place, is it? Let's be not honest.
4: really. You might you might as well be in a cabin in the woods. You at least have a view. <laughs> you know.
3: Where did you go
0: uh, for that final meal?
4: Uh, I went to the grill, which is probably like, you know, whistling on the decks of the Titanic. The grill is the um, is major food groups. Mid-century chop house. It's an ode to the mid-century, to the mid-nineteenth century, Mm twentieth-century chop house, but it's in the uh, old Four Seasons space, fifty-two East, uh, uh, sorry, ninety-nine East Fifty-second Street. It's uh, just the most incredible dining room I've ever eaten in. My favorite restaurant. I ate there with my oldest friend in America, and you know it was, it was a very odd night because the grill on a Friday night is just mobbed usually. Yeah. Things are a flambeing, everything's on fire. There's they're carving giant prime rib roast and, you know, cooking uh truffle omelets at your table. And it was like a mausoleum. There was you know, they were I mean it, they were very good about seating us far apart from each other, but the grill usually that isn't possible, you know? And I mean, the food was exemplary, incredible wine. The service was effusive as always, but I did really notice, and it was, you know, I did notice that the service was a lot more hands-off. And usually at the grill, it's the kind of place where you stand up, you put your napkin down on the table to go to the restroom, and within 10 seconds, it's folded and put on your place, right? They, they, they're they so attentive to everything. And here, there was a very hands-off, give you a lot of space. Um, so it was, a, it was a bit odd.
3: Yeah, kind okay. um,
4: yeah. And yeah, I mean, look, I can cook, you know, I can cook well. And I have, I got delivery from, from the, from a top butcher and we have access to incredible produce and incredible meats and things in, in, in New York. But to me, no matter how competently a hamburger is, is prepared at home, it's just, it's just in the wrong place. A hamburger is a public object. It's only really at right in the world when a hamburger is in public and eaten amongst other humans. So it's a little depressing to eat at home. Um, I think I'm not going to make too many more hamburgers. I'll probably make like meatloaf or something that you're (laughs) supposed to eat at home, you know?
0: One of the things I wanted to ask you was that my perception, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably wrong, is certainly like in the UK, we're not actually that good at, we don't have the culture where restaurants automatically do takeout, automatically do like local delivery. You know, you can't ring up your local deli here and get a club on rye with Russian, you know, and, and and it be in your in your doorstep five minutes later with 20 cigarettes and and six beers. Is New York in, in some ways not a better place to be in a situation like this because you got such great delivery and because everybody does take out?
4: Well, it, I think yeah if you think that having that amenity is beneficial in this situation, the answer is yes. I'm a little skeptical that it's a good idea. To and and with with the and just stepping back a second because yeah, yeah. W- just to talk about what happened during the transition from the people voluntarily shutting their restaurants down to being forced to, it was an impossible situation for every restaurateur because. The impetuous is, of course, to make everyone safe, your staff primarily, and then the public. And by shutting down, you're guaranteeing that. But you're also jeopardizing the well-being of your staff and of yourself, right? And you're also, because you're doing it voluntarily, any state action that's subsequent to that, you may not be eligible for, right, if the city comes in. And so... What the restaurant's needed at that time was if this was going to be the inevitable outcome, they should have done it sooner and they should have definitively said, This is the way it's gonna go. Because the restaurateur that kept the place open and, you know, made concessions to the you know, made concessions beyond the the, the mandatory health requirements and started doing things with the COVID-19 virus in mind. You can't blame them. They, you know, they, they like this is the only. You know, they're in an impossible position, and I think delivery is the same thing. I mean, it's with the understanding it's a band-aid. No restaurant is making money off delivery. They're doing right. it for the benefit of their employees. They're doing it for the benefit of their customers. Um, it, it's it's you. Nobody's getting rich off delivery, you know. And yep. my feeling on it is that. If we're gonna do this, let's just do it. Let's two weeks, no, no no contact. Like just go buy groceries and don't leave your house. Like, you know, even if and look, shutting down the restaurants, shutting down all of the other places of work has had it's gonna have a massive effect on the way this virus transmits. But my my fear is that it's already so rampantly, the infection rate is so high already that our medical resources are going to be quickly overtaken. Um, and I think that if you have all these people that, look, I live, in a, I live in a large apartment building. There's probably maybe eight apartments per floor and there's 17 floors. And there's, you know, most of them are probably not single dwelling. That's a lot of people all stacked up on each other, right? And if there's, if everyone is getting a delivery and that's, that's a lot of foot traffic. Yeah, going back and forth, right? So just multiply that by eight million people.
0: Um, it's, not really, uh, it's not really. It's airtight, not really isolation, right? No, no. Yeah,
4: so that you know that is my fear, and it's not that I don't want to support restaurants. Of course, I do. My livelihood depends on restaurants existing, but that's kind of why we have to just take the bitter pill now, because if we can really nip this thing in the bud, although I think we're a bit beyond that at this point, but if we can stop it now the sooner we stop it, the sooner we'll be able to get back to whatever whatever the new normal will be.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, but
4: again, look, I'm not... I'm a food writer. I know a lot about hamburgers and not much else. So, <laughs> you know, well, this is just what I'm observing from, you know, from what I'm seeing happen across the world. And, you know, here's the thing about, about Americans, and I consider myself an American, um, is that we don't like to learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> like we've seen this thing unfold and we've seen the various responses. Taiwan, South Korea, very effective. Iran, Italy, far less effective.
0: Yeah.
4: Right. And now you see the you see what happens. Um, you know, China got a hold of it um, because they, they're a totalitarian state. You know, they stop people every block and take their temperature. It's like Americans are not going to go for that. They're not going to, you know, the, that the martial infraction, the the martial infringement on on civic life is just not going to have it, it's not it's not going to be accepted. You know, Well,
0: you mean you're going to just ruggedly and individualistically uh, march into disaster?
4: <laughs> yeah, I think that I mean, I think that is part of and that, here's the problem. You know, gun sales went up. right? Yeah, I mean, massively. now I don't think that they really think they're going to shoot the virus but there is this 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 impending fear of sort of civic anarchy which and you see it you see you see um echoes of it with the with the toilet paper and the pasta getting you know bought up in massive uh, in massive amounts yeah but, i mean you know, it, it's we'll see how it plays out well nick for you know it's
0: It's really good to get a kind of perspective uh, from the other side of the point, particularly from, you know, somewhere where a lot of people were considered to be the epicenter of the restaurant world. Um, And it's been a pleasure to talk to you, even if you are marooned in your apartment and and can't travel. And I'm sorry about that. You know, one of the things I'm missing, one of the things that selfishly uh, I'm missing over the last few days is the sense of conviviality that normally comes with being able to eat out and, and drink out in everyday life. I'm like missing the human contact. So, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this at home are also missing that human contact. So it's been a pleasure to kind of almost meet you over the, over the zoom call today. And, you know, I hope I love New York. I love eating out in New York. I love drinking in New York. And, you know, I hope that one day soon, uh, we'll be able to share a meal and a drink in more convivial circumstances, but thank you <laughs> for joining us on Root and Bone today.
4: Thank you very much, uh, and indeed to everything you just said um so yeah, everyone just be you know healthy, safe, and uh stay on your couch. So
0: for those listening, tell us a little bit about you and give us a little bit of your background before we get into the the kind of podcast today
3: sure so um. I am the daughter of a hotel manager, so I think hospitality has always been in my blood. And I started working in restaurants while I was in college and in university in America, particularly in New York City. I worked for some Michelin-starred restaurants, always front of house. I was kind of like maitre d' hostess with the mostest, and then worked my way up to managerial position, um, working for a chef in New York called Tom Polichio. And then I moved to London in 2012 and started working for for what was then called the Village London Group. And that was my first foray into marketing and events and went freelance um, in 2014. I've just kind of been getting my hands on any food and hospitality related projects. Um, And then alongside that, I've always dipped my toe into sort of entrepreneurial endeavors and, and, most, I guess what I'm most known for is what I work on now full-time, which is LOR, Ladies of Restaurants, which is a community for women working in the hospitality industry. We're all about supporting, nurturing, helping women either currently working in the, in the industry or looking to get involved in the industry. Uh, and we do that through a series of events um, in person. And then I like to have quite a bit of fun on our Instagram. And we do put some content on our website as well.
0: Great. And uh, tell me a little bit about the restaurant in Dreamland.
3: Uh, yeah, so it's not a Dreamland anymore, um, but it's called Barletta, which is a small town in Italy on the sea, um, mostly known for its art scene, not, not not always so much its food scene, which we felt was um, similar to Margate, although now we have this like incredible amount of independent restaurants here. Um, an amazing art scene and now we're actually inside of a wine shop in Cliftonville called Urchin Wines and it's a Mediterranean inspired um, Jackson my partner makes all the pasta in-house and um, we do this really famous carrot dish that everyone raves about and um, spiced heritage carrots over um, labneh or garlic yogurt with hazelnuts um, and parsley oil and yeah and it's been great and we've It's community loves it. We've started to do takeaway this week, which was the first time we've ever done that, and it went really well. So, yeah, hopefully, when we reopen, people will come flying through the doors again.
0: So, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you generally, like, and we were going to talk, you know, we were going to have a proper podcast interview this week, and we haven't been able to do it. But one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today is because uh, I'm talking to a number of different people today in the industry. Uh, from various different places just to try and get a sense of like how the industry is reacting, how people are feeling, what you think this might mean for everybody. I know, and I know it's a big subject and I know it's kind of changing minute by minute, but uh, how's it been for you and and the people in your network over the last few days?
3: I mean, the last week has been a roller coaster of emotions, I think, for everyone. I've tried to check in um, with a lot of people, as many people as I can on FaceTime to you know try and be there and I think the general consensus was fear um, and obviously that's sort of um, the fact that you didn't know where your next paycheck was coming from. I think that was the general sense of panic uh, before the government stepped in and made their um, huge announcement on Friday. Although, you know, having said that, that's only one part of it and we don't know how quickly that's going to come in so I think there's still this You just constant, like, up and down. It's gonna be okay, it's not okay. I don't know how I'm feeling. And as much as all this content, and myself included, you know, we're inundating people with things. I think there is a sense of being overwhelmed. Um, There's a lot of information to digest. So I think people are also a bit scared. They don't know, like, what they're supposed to be doing. Are they doing too much? Are they not doing enough? Can I take a nap? Am I supposed to be working from home? Like, and then obviously, you know, people who are in the service industry who are on the floor in the kitchens. They're like, they're completely without their normal day-to-day routine. So I think there's this, this sense of loss and almost grief that people are dealing with.
0: And, you know, I've seen a lot of people that are, uh, that are sort of trying to pivot pretty quickly and kind of moving to takeaway and, you know, selling off the stock from the wine cellar and all that other kind of stuff. You know, my, you know, my kind of more fearful view Is that there's not, you know, no one can stay closed for a very long period of time in this business without running into kind of serious trouble. Like, how do you feel about that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think when you were saying earlier, like, what will shift through this is I really hope that um, people will see that, you know, the restaurant industry runs on extremely tight margins and that. You know, it's for many reasons, but we've tried over the years, everyone's tried over the years to increase their prices here and there uh, to try and cover costs. Um, <laughs> but people don't really want to pay more. They, they look at the plate of food and they think, yeah, but it's just a plate of cauliflower. I and mean, they don't realize actually through that, you know, 14 pounds they're paying for this incredible dish, they're actually covering a little bit of the rent, the staff, the water bill, the heat bill, you know. So I'm hoping that through maybe the other side of this, people might be more inclined to spend a bit more, so that restaurants can have uh, a little bit of a, a leeway. So that some, God forbid, something like this happens again, maybe that cash flow won't be such a fear because they've actually had a little bit of a cushion to work with. Um, it's yeah, it's just it's really terrifying. I think we're going to see so many restaurants close and won't we'll be able to come out of this the other side just because you know you're just constantly running and chasing and yeah.
0: It's, it's weird. I, I know. I mean, I, I, and, you know, I'm not asking because I expect people to be able to kind of fish some sort of magic <laughs> magic solution no, out, of their, no. out, out, out of their chef's apron. It's all kind of uncharted territory for, for everybody.
3: But the, um, I think it's so great to see how everyone did pivot and just that, that is right, right there to me shows that the nature of this business is constantly thinking on your toes and solutions all the time. I mean, every service you work is never the same. You know, never, no day is the same. You don't just go into the office, sit down, get your laptop out. You know, it's like, what's going to happen today in the restaurant? What problem will go wrong? Um, but you don't go into work with that mentality. It's just, you're just positive. So I think we've seen that with, with the restaurant industry. They, they, they felt hurt. They feel impacted. There's no two ways around it. But they've, we've all had to, to, you know, pivot and be like, what are we going to do now? And it's going to change day by day. Like, I think you know we probably won't be able to do the takeaway thing forever. I know we've had to completely shut Barletta just because we don't feel that we're in a place to operate that safely uh, for the time being. And um, we're also in a much smaller community than to London, so you know we're not going to be you know <laughs> getting that much profit through that kind of um, tactic. Yeah, but, yeah, difficult. Well, one
0: of the things that um I've been thinking about these last few days is that the, you know, what normally happens in, in periods of, of, of you know, like national crisis or when there's, a, when there's a big emergency on, there's normally one brilliant, obvious thing that people who cook and feed people do, which is that they do it more um you know they they show up places where people are hungry they deliver food that hasn't been eaten to uh, to people that are that are hungry when there are accidents you know normally what the what the hospitality industry is able to do is ramp up and do more of it and this is a w- weird situation because it's exactly the opposite you can't do what you normally do to help
3: you know, and I think that that's I mean, beyond just the food part. I think the biggest part of this industry is the interaction with guests and the socializing and the hospitality of it. And both the cooking and the hospitality has been completely ripped out from under us. So um, I know one of my big concerns for the ladies of restaurants community is just checking in on people's mental health. Right. Uh, I mean, hoping, making sure that you know when they can't go out and be on the front line and offering people food and helping in crisis at least they're taking care of themselves. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, just, it, I keep, <laughs> I did like a vote the other day of what kind of content they wanted to see and very low percentage said exercise, but I'm giving it to them anyway because I <laughs> feel <they're pretty laughs> like in this time, like we're all pretty, like I would say the hospitality industry is pretty guilty of not being the most, uh, you know, fit and active community, yeah. but that's due, to, um, that's due to being in your feet all day and, and being exhausted. I completely <laughs> understand that. I'm sorry. Um but I'm hoping this, this time I think will be crucial if they stay active both in their minds and their bodies
0: so they don't yeah maybe just put something out that says look I know normally you would have five espressos before you left the house maybe yeah. just try and ease off on that a little bit
3: maybe let will replace the five espressos with a yoga box. Yeah, right
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean the, the, your point about the conviviality of of it you know I'm definitely feeling that from a selfish point of view you know the um you know the single biggest attraction i would imagine for for a lot of people on both sides of the pass is that hum of of conversation and that sort of warmth of human contact i am i am missing the conviviality of it and i'm surrounded by my family in my own home you know if if that's a big part of your daily life I, it's it's hard to imagine what's like not having it
3: yeah i mean my partner and i are both very chatty sort of social people and I think you know obviously we have each other very lucky like you said you know you've, you've got your family I think we need to be mindful as well that there's some people out there a lot of people out there young people especially you know I know that a lot of people have had to go back to Australia or New Zealand or Italy where they're from because of the lack of work um, they'd be lonely you know, taking that that constant exchange that sense of team and camaraderie I mean, that for me was always my favorite part of working in this industry, was going to work and seeing my friends that were also my co-workers, like how lucky am I that I get to laugh and giggle <laughs> and take care of people. My, I think my, one of my first waitressing jobs was at this hilarious Chinese restaurant in, <laughs> in America. Um, and we used to be able to give anybody who had a birthday a dessert. And it was like, I just couldn't believe it. We can just give people dessert. And you'd see this, like, smile light up on their face. And you'd bring over this surprise dessert with a candle in it. And I was like, this job is the best. Like, we're bringing people joy just with food and a candle. Um, so I think that a lot of people are going to be missing that, you know, just constant connection with people. So we need to make sure that they're feeling connected all the time.
0: Right. And, you know, I, I, uh, if if people are listening that are, that are in hospitality, you know, what advice have you got for people right now? Like, what would you say to those who are sort of staring into this and not quite knowing what's going to come next?
3: Um, I would say reach out if you have questions. Maybe make a list of the things that you're most terrified of, and then we can tackle them one, one at a time. If it's not Ladies of Restaurants, there's so many people out there setting up initiatives to support everyone. So keep an eye on any channels that you follow. Um, I would say enjoy some of this downtime. Don't let it slip you by. You work so hard all the time you know, take this time to work on yourself. And that would be like, those Be my two biggest tips (laughs) and read a book, have a bath. (laughs) And you know, we will come out of this, the other side. I know it doesn't feel like that right now and allow yourself to have bad days. I literally go from extreme highs of happiness. And I can't believe I get to do this today to, Oh my God, what the hell am I going to do? Where's my next paycheck coming from? Like, I mean, other than the restaurant, my entire business relies on events. So I've had everything taken away from me. Right. But I just know that everything's going to be okay. Because at the end of all of this, where do people spend the best moments of their life when they're celebrating something, a milestone birthday, an anniversary? Where are they going to want to go to celebrate the end of this pandemic? The restaurant. So everyone will be back. You will be back. And
0: we'll all get through this together. Fantastic. Uh, Natalia, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and and, and talk to us. Uh, I hope you did take the time to enjoy the sunshine uh, down in Margate and read some books and, uh, and, and kind of get out there and uh, get a little bit of me time before this all starts back up again. Uh, on behalf of Root & Bone, everyone listening, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks to everyone involved for jumping on conference calls so quickly yesterday and helping us get this episode together. Just a little coda, if you're in the hospitality industry and you're looking for someone to talk to, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling confused, if you want a sympathetic ear, we strongly recommend looking up the Pilot Light campaign. You can find them online. You can find them on Instagram. It's run by Chef Andrew Clark and his partners, and they are excellent. They are ready and willing and able to talk to you about it right now. Um, please do let us know what you thought of this episode on Root & Bone's uh, Instagram channel and you can also, if you're a food business and you are pivoting in some way if you've got a wine sale on, if you've turned into a grocery if you're running Safe Takeaway, let us know at Root & Bone and we'll give you a shout out on the Instagram about that as well Um, keep ordering from your local food businesses if you can keep cooking at home, keep your spirits up There's new episodes of the podcast coming this week, coming very, very soon. And as always, if you've enjoyed it, please like and subscribe. Thanks very much. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.